leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Cleveland, and welcome back to another edition of the Dogland Podcast as we continue our off-season deep dive into the roster. I am Jackson McCurry, and joining me once again is Jack Duffin. Jack, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good. So, uh, no, it was fun last week. Um, three great shows. And so, uh, yeah, let's kick off another week and three more, the last three offensive position rooms. Yes. Uh, if you didn't listen last week, which I hope you did, uh, we broke down the quarterback room, the, the running back slash fullback room and the wide receiver room, which probably was the most intriguing position we'll discuss. Uh, but this week we are talking tight ends, which is today's episode. We will discuss offensive tackles on Wednesday and then Friday we will do the interior of the offensive line. Uh, but today, like I said, we're talking tight ends, um, uh, definitely a big position for the Browns roster. Uh, you know, Stefanski's offense is heavily using using tight ends. Uh, we had four on the roster this year, and you see sometimes there was two tight end sets, three tight end sets. Um, you know, you use the tight end maybe as a fullback. Uh, they, they care about this position a lot, and, and it showed last offseason. Uh, the tight end room, um, we had Najoku, and we had Carlson. So what did the Browns do? They went out and signed Austin Hooper to a big contract. I think it was, at the time, the biggest tight end contract in league history. And then, of course, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle shattered that. Um, and then they went in the fourth round and drafted Harrison Bryant. They also picked up the fifth-year option on David Njoku. So all three are coming back, as well as Steven Carlson. Uh, that we know of going into 2021, obviously one question mark. But let's start right at the top, Jack. Um, when you look at Austin Hooper... He did sign a big contract, and it was a little lackluster for him. Um, he did produce. He did, but not up to the level that many like myself thought he was going to because when you sign at the time the biggest tight end contract in league history, um, you expect that you're going to produce like maybe perhaps like a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle, and uh, he did produce. It just wasn't enough. Yeah, the, the average NFL room, 3.4 tight ends. Browns are guaranteed to keep four just because of Stefanski and his system. So uh, it all works around one starting tight end. And that, based on what we've seen last year, is Austin Hooper, um, is the guy they trusted out there to most of the snaps. Um, he, we sort of, he had the breakout year in 2019. But his play this year was very much more back to his sort of 17-18 play, which is good. Don't get me wrong. I'm still saying he's a... Uh, above average tight end but he's not paid to be an above average tight end he's paid to be not elite because yeah he's, he's not getting the money that kelsey and those guys are getting he's, he's paid to sort of be a i would say top eight tight end is where you want him to be based on his pay um you want him in that range where you're like hey this is good value for us and he's not at that level and it, it comes down to the question of what do you want to do with me? He's definitely got one more year. So he's back. He's definitely going to be starting. And 
people will look at his deal and they're like, oh, well, it starts getting really expensive in the future. And it's a bit of cat magic from Andrew Berry. Effectively, if you look at what his deal really is, it's a 23 million over two years. So that's his salary, his signing bonus, his option bonus, and his dead cap for any cut after year two. So that was effectively what they've signed him up to. 11.5 million, two years um, each. And then you've got a year three and year four option bonus of 9.5 million each. So he's here for the first two. Um, so one more year, and then they need to decide what they're going to do. So it could be that we see play nearer to 2019 and they go, hey, this is the guy. We feel really good. Let's make him a piece of our offense. Um, or they could walk away after this season. If they do walk away after this season, and it would probably be a cut rather than a trade for nine and a half million um, on his books, um, because if we're getting rid of him because he's not playing to that level, other people probably don't want him. Um, that would leave 11.25 million on his dead cap. That's obviously 11 of those first 23. So it's, it's, it's not a crazy amount, even though it'll look bad on dead cap. It doesn't really matter. Um, they've just bought now, pay later. Um, is very much how they did these deals, how it works with the backloading. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Hooper needs to step up because, else, yeah, you're not going to pay that $9.5 You're going to extend or pay a different tight end that I think we could get onto next. Yeah, it, but, I mean, to follow up on Hooper and to conclude with him, like, it's not like they didn't try. Like, he did miss three games because... I forget what the injury even was. I think it was appendectomy. Um, but he had the second most targets on the team, 70 targets. He only caught 46 balls, and he only averaged nine and a half yards per catch. But, I mean, it, it, Baker threw to him a lot. Like, he was targeting him a lot, especially on, like, the, pl- the play actions and the bootlegs. I mean, he had a case of the drops. He had a couple of them. Big one against Pittsburgh, even though we were killing him. But, I mean, when he hits you right in the chest, you would think you're going to haul that in for a touchdown. Um so, yeah, you and that was one of the knocks on him coming from Atlanta was he's not the most reliable catcher. Um, but I would expect that they're going to try to get him more involved in the offense. It's hard to do when you have such talented wide receivers. Plus, you have two all pro caliber running backs in the backfield. But you kind of hope that Hooper does make a jump in production next year just because, I mean, he's one of the highest guys on the team. He did make it. They did make him like the the prime free agent signing last year. You, you just hope you get a little more. Um, you did mention someone. Oh, go ahead. Just one last point on Hooper, and we we touched on it in last show, um, and I think it's a really good point to come back to. Um, if we have more speed at wide receiver and it stretches that field, the biggest beneficiary of that, other than sort of the screen game for the running backs, is actually going to be. Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper is going to benefit loads as a receiver because that yak that he wants and tight ends need to make their numbers look good, where he catches it, he, he's only got to beat one guy and suddenly he's running for an extra 10 yards. Um, whereas when you've got a condensed field, most of the passes he was catching, there wasn't any opportunity of yak because he had two players around him by the time he hit the floor. Um, so I, I think that could be something where we really see a rebound off of um, Austin Hooper. Um, because the field's more spread out. And when we're getting down deeper, suddenly it opens up that underneath stuff um, a lot more. Yeah, most definitely. Um, uh, You mentioned a potential tight end that we could extend. And there's all, this is such uh, an intriguing player and it's David Njoku. Uh, You think back to a little less than a year ago at this time, picks up the fifth year option. Then, 
around July before camp started, he requested a trade. Um, coincidental or not, it just so happened to be right after he had hired Drew Rosenhaus as a free or as an agent. And we all know Rosenhaus's game. He's trying to get his uh, clients the most money at their positions. Um, he's seen that, you know, Najoku was going to take a dip in production perhaps uh, because he's not the number one tight end anymore. Um, but he was productive. It wasn't anything to where he's going to get a big contract. He still might get a big contract. Um, but his, you know, his targets obviously went down. He only had 29 targets this year. He also battled the injury bug as well. But it seemed like when he got the ball, he made plays. 13 of his 19 catches went for a first down. He had uh, 11 yards per catch, had two touchdowns. And he played a pretty good game against Kansas City. He had four catches for about 60 yards uh, and was very much involved in the Browns' offensive game plan uh, in a big-time playoff game. So he's obviously coming into year five. And he is, I think, a $6 million fifth-year option. Um, he could be traded away. But like you mentioned in the article, Jack, there's a chance that perhaps maybe the Browns try to negotiate a long-term extension with Njoku because the upside's still there. He's still in his early 20s. And I feel like, you know, if Hooper doesn't work out, Njoku could be the long-term tight end for the Browns. Yeah, so it's very unlikely they're going to pay two tight ends because even though it's a two-tight end system, you're 50% of the snaps actually still have three wide receivers, effectively. Um, it's just under 49%. Um, so you're unlikely to pay two, but there's obviously nothing stopping you, as we mentioned above with Hooper, that you, you can extend Njoku to start after this season, and then you get rid of Hooper. Um, but where do they sort of stand with him? It's, it's fascinating because there's all the different directions. They could go early, and they could go pre-draft and go, look, we don't want Inchoka here as our number one tight end. We're only ever going to pay one. Let's flip him for something. And you, you could get something out there, maybe a player not somewhere else that hasn't sort of really delivered. Um, a name I threw out there the other day is um, Michael Gallup. Unlikely to get paid as the Cowboys because they've got C.D. Lamb, they've got uh, Cooper. So... He's that guy that is going into his final year. They say, hey, we need a tight end. Let's uh, go do a deal there. Um, or there's other guys, but that's effectively something they could go and say, hey, let's take a punt on someone else. Um, they need a tight end. We'll pick up a wide receiver. We'll pick up a defensive tackle. We'll pick up someone else and see what they've got. Um, or they could keep him here and go, hey, let's play the long game. Let's potentially grab a comp pick. Um, one year, six million, it's not the end of the world. Um, they could go the other route and say, hey, actually, we think this guy might actually be the guy, so we'll keep him here one year, and if we decide Hooper's not it, and Joku is, let's just offer him, say, six million a year for three, four years, um, and potentially get that done, so you're getting a massive discount on what, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Hooper's getting, so it could be certainly a route you go, so there's a few different options there, which is quite good. Um, I think there's a massive chance that he is actually still on the roster. But if they get an offer that they like, he isn't 100% guaranteed to be back next year. Um, but they could easily move on. Yeah, I mean, they didn't want to trade him. But, I mean, they might be open more to trade him because there's $6 million that they could use to sign a couple linebackers, sign a safety. Like, they can go take that $6 million and do a number of options with it. But I mean, Najoku 
was quiet during the year. I mean, just after the trade request, he pulled it back and he, he filled his role and he did it well. I mean, he did it like at this point, like if he just keeps working at this point, why not bring him back? If, if the price is right and if it's what the Browns want to do long term and if it fits something he's comfortable with and he's comfortable with Cleveland, I mean, and it seems like, you know, that's the guys Baker likes. Like Baker looks for Najoku. He looks for Higgins. He looks for Hooper. Like there's guys he trusts. I know they can he'll throw it to, they'll catch and they can make a play. And it seemed like Najoku has been one of those guys for him. Um, you look at the other tight end in the room that, you know, was productive as a rookie. Just, oh, go just ahead. One second, just to touch on if that rare circumstance does happen that they trade in Joku, um, how, how are they going to fill that spot? So, um, there's there's some nice names in free agency. Nicole Pruitt, Jordan Reed, Ricard Rogers, who actually had a great season. Eagles ain't going to keep him around. They ain't got no money. Um, Darrell Daniels and Jeremy Sprinkle, all guys that are out there intriguing. You can get them on a one-year deal um, so they can come in. It's, it's not going to be much above vet min, and uh, they'll give you an option. Or you, you could go for an early day three pick. You could even go as high as a third. Um and then you bring in another guy you like. And the reason why you'd say, hey, why are you going to spend a third on a tight end? You've got Bryant, um, who we'll get on to in a second. Because if, if you've got Bryant and you've got a third round pick and they both do really well across this season, you've got an expensive veteran that you might move on from and trust two rookies um, and then potentially throw a, a, a cheap veteran in there. So um, strength on strength, they're going to do things at the first where you might get angry during the draft. But look at the bigger picture, come back and listen to the show, and then you'll actually see that there is reason, there is ideas here. Um, so no, don't be surprised if they actually go, hey, we're going to move on from a joke and draft someone. Um, might get traded mid-draft. Um, crazier things have happened. Maybe they could trade for, if they move Najoku, maybe they could trade for Darren Fells, the playmaker. <laughs> yes, bring him home. He should have never left. Damn you, Dorsey. <laughs> uh, you also mentioned that even though he might not be ready, Harrison Bryant could be the potential tight end number two. And he was good at, as a rookie, fourth round pick. He had his troubles holding on to the football, but, uh, and, you know, he obviously needs to improve as a blocker as well. But, like, he was average. He had an okay rookie year. That's what we expected, I think. If he was just okay, if he was average as a fourth-round pick where you have Najoku and Hooper in front of him, I mean, that was okay. And you've seen flashes where you think Bryant has something to prove. Obviously, he was the top tight end in football coming out of college. Um, but you see it there. He might not be ready just yet, but who knows? If they get a full offseason where he can work with the coaches, continue to work on his game, you know, Bryant could come out in year two and – be even better than we thought he could be in this scheme. Yeah, and you're only asking that sort of backup tight end to play about 40% of snaps. And that's partially, I, I wrote an article all the way back to last offseason and why it makes sense for David and Joker to ask for a trade. If you're only paying 40% of snaps, um, it's not a big receiver heavy role in the Stefanski tight end scheme. Um, so there, there was sense for Joker to get out and try on a deal, but Harrison Bryant can step up into that role. Um, so he ranked 40th out of 48 tight ends, according to PFF last year. Um, but only two rookies got enough catches to even get into that 48 threshold of um, how many catches you need to count. So it's one that there is promise. 
Um, I think it's worth having an extra year. So I think if they moved on from Njoku, I'd bring in that cheap vet um, just to sort of give you some more guarantees, and especially how cheap veterans are going to be this year with a lower cap. But uh, there's so much upside with Harrison Bryant. A fantastic pick, even if his ceiling is a tight end two for the next three years. Um, even if it's two years as tight end three, two years as tight end two, that's a phenomenal pick. Um, and that might seem silly. Hey, he was at what, fifth? Um, a fourth. So you're like, oh, but is that all we got? That's great. If suddenly you're using your day three picks to fill out that rotational roles, the sort of guys that you don't want to be spending money on, because if you're having to spend three million on that role, then suddenly you've got to take that away from a starter. Whereas you can be giving that to starters, you get two or three of them guys, suddenly that's, that's an extra like eight million you spend on a um, starting player and you get some real talent. So um, no, it's, it's a great add to the roster, whatever he becomes. But uh, I'm, I'm excited. He's good. And he was really, really good at specials as well, which uh, is important and uh, something no doubt we'll chat about with our next person in the tight end ring. Yeah, I feel like and I, like what you said, like it, it was a solid tight end three and a good tight end two for a couple of years. And and I, and I agree with you, that would be okay. I feel like some Browns fans would be like, no, it wouldn't be. But these, like, we're getting out of the phase where we were hoping fourth round picks were going to come in and be immediate contributors. Like when we were bad, like we're a good team. Now, if we get these mid round picks to be good depth and then they can be sometimes contributors while our starters are balling out, that is what good draft draft picks are. It's like, that's, we don't, we can't expect every draft pick to come in and be an immediate contributor. And hopefully they become like a pro bowler at some point. Like that would be great, but also that would mean, Hooper and Najoku were hurt or something and or no I don't know how I'm saying it but yeah no you're right there yeah quite frankly unless you're a first round pick you it's unlikely you're going to be starting week one and someone's going to go whoa you saying our second to seventh round picks aren't going to be good no I'm saying the roster's really really good if the reason they can't come in and start is because they're legitimately really really good players just look, we can rush around the skill positions. If you're taking someone in the first round that's a quarterback, they're not starting over Baker. If you're taking someone that's a running back, they're not starting over Nick Chubb. If you take someone that's a wide receiver, they're not starting over OBJ. If you take someone at tight end, they're not starting over Hooper. If you take someone at tackle, they're not starting over um, Wills or Conklin. If you take someone in interior O-line, they're not starting over Tretter, Betonio and Teller. Um, that that's just the fact of the matter. Even any first round pick you take on offense is not a day one starter. That's amazing. That is a massive testament to everything this whole big rebuild was about. There is so much talent and that's a great thing. So when we're going, we can just draft for the future. Um, we can draft this guy because he's developing into a role or let's go and take our third wide receiver as a first round pick and then he can develop into something more in the future. That's amazing. That's a really good thing. That's something you should be like celebrating as a Browns fan, not, oh, he's, he's a sixth round pick. Can he start week one? <laughs> That's what bad, bad, bad teams do. Yeah, most definitely. Um, it it r- reminds me of, this is before you were a fan, 2008 draft. We didn't have a, a pick until the fourth round. 
And then we took a tight end, I think out of Nevada or something named Bo Bell. And people were like all up in arms about him thinking he was going to be. And we had a Pro Bowl slash all pro caliber tight end already in Kellen Winslow. And people were having high hopes for Bo Bell. He was out of the league in a year. It's like that was our top draft pick because we traded picks away for veterans. And people were excited about Bo Bell and he never did anything for the Browns. And it was like, well, you shouldn't have limited your expectations because A, we already had a playmaker at the position and B, fourth round picks generally don't make immediate contributions. It just doesn't happen all the time. But um, to get back on track, yeah, we did mention special teams and that's generally what the fourth tight end will do. And, um, and it was Steven Carlson who's been around for a couple of years, um, made that fantastic catch against Pittsburgh in 2019 uh, late in the game that sealed the victory for us uh, this year. He played a little bit, but he was mostly a special teamer and graded out very highly as a special teamer. Um, you leave it as a question mark. He could be back, uh, but they also could fill this in a number of varieties. They could go out and get a veteran tight end. Someone that might be f- more familiar with the scheme could be more productive. Uh, they could draft someone late, but I mean, Carlson is good at what he does. Uh, he could come in and play if need be. He's big. He's athletic. Um, but he's a solid special teamer. I'm sure Prefer will go to bat and say, hey, we need to keep this guy. But uh, the options are obviously uh, all up in the air, especially at uh, the fourth tight end spot. Yeah, so Carlson is the only one I can see who's on the roster that can make that spot. Um, he, he's been great. Uh in terms of special teams, he was one of our top five special teamers last year. Um, so, no, really, really like him as someone that I want to come in. I'd, I'd really like to see him back. Um, but could they go somewhere else? I, I can't see them going to free agency. Um, the only route I could see them go free agency is if they draft sort of a, someone in that third round, trade off in Joku, and then bring in a vet just to sort of pad the room um one of them names that we touched on earlier um but sort of the outside i think the only reason we could see colson off the roster next year is if they go and say hey let's take a punt on a high day three pick um and let's go bryant this youngster we'll have injoku we'll have um hooper um, both of them guys could be gone at the end of the year. Let, let, let's just have four talented tight ends. Not so much for the 2021 season, but more for 2022 and beyond going, hey, four guys, let's battle it out. Best man wins. Um, we can take two or three of you forward. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think there's a really good chance he's back um, and, and he deserves it. When we're talking about the last person in all of these rooms, we're not interested in their offensive production. Obviously, some upside would be nice, um, but we're looking at their special teams production because we want that extra 1-2% that could be the difference. Um, then no special team as a game changers. That's just life. Doesn't doesn't bother me. That's perfectly fine. But we're talking about 1-2% that if they can just do something, change one game in a season, suddenly... That's, uh, that's really made a difference. Yeah, I mean, when you get down to tight end four, tight end five, perhaps, because I mean, it wasn't the 53-man roster initially. There was five tight ends, and people were, like, up in arms because I, I swear there was five tight ends or something. Or maybe, yeah, there was five tight ends, but there was only four wide receivers or something like that. It was 
is ridiculous. But, you know, the fourth tight end, uh, you expect to be a special teams contributor, can come up and play some offensive snaps if needed, probably mainly as a blocker in that kind of role. Um, but yeah, Carlson, he, he's shown some flashes offensively, but I mean, we're looking at Morley as more so as a special teamer and, and that's okay. Like he does what he needs to do. Um, he fills his role nicely and I would think that there's no problem. But like you said, Jack, if they find, they see a tight end in day three and they're like, we didn't expect him to be here. We're going to take him. Uh, and then you just have those two compete in camp and see may the best man win. And it's not, it wouldn't hurt the Browns if Carlson beats out a fifth or sixth round tight end, because a, I think that shows that yeah, Carlson has something and B he's more of a contributor. We think he'll be more of a contributor to special teams than the certain draft pick could be. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a really talented room. Um, it doesn't have much star power. Um, that's not me taking anything away from um, either Joker or Hooper. They're just above average guys, um, but it's just a really solid room and they need to decide the long-term future. But uh, I think they go with maximum options and then they let it shake out which way it will. Um, I don't think they draft someone on day three, but if someone they really likes there, unlucky Carlson, you get a shot on the practice squad um, to come up and play some special teams probably, but um, good luck. Uh, but I, I feel good that the top three names are pretty much set. Um, I just wouldn't gamble the house that Njoku's going to be here. There, there's an outside chance that he's gone. Yeah, there's definitely the question mark with Njoku, but, I mean, Hooper's going to be here. Brian's going to be here. I feel good. This is one of the, t- the positions, like, I'm not worried about in this offseason. Like, if Njoku gets moved, I understand it completely. But, like, this is one of our solid groups. Like, you could say all four are probably going to be here. Njoku's the question mark. They may switch out Carlson for somebody else. But this is a position group that I feel confident about who's going to be here. And I also feel confident that they will produce in 2021 for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I think the scheme will support the tight ends a lot better. Um, they did a good job in sort of the run game, other stuff, pass blocking. Um, but I, I think they can really excel in the receiving game in 2021. Yeah, and the fact that they're not changing offense again. Like this, the same system's coming back. And I mean, it happened a couple of times with Hugh Jackson, although I don't know if his system was all that productive. He, anyways, he had a system. <laughs> it, yeah. Uh, it was take the guy, throw him under the bus. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, to come back with the same scheme, I mean, Baker loves it. I'm sure, you know, Njoku's going to love it because he's going to have the same offensive scheme for the second year in the row, potentially. And, you know, I'm sure Hooper and Bryant, and even Carlson, if he's here, uh, they're all going to be comfortable because they know the offense and they'll be able to go right to work and not have to worry about learning it. And I, I think that's always the biggest takeaway from the season. They didn't get on the field together uh, to start learning the playbook until training camp started. And it was still a productive offense. They won 11 games, a playoff game. Like That's always the biggest takeaway that the coaching staff team did such a great job um, despite all the challenges of 2021 or the 2020 season. Now it's a really talented coaching staff. Um, it's all designed for them to succeed. And now it's just important to have a strong room. It doesn't have to be game changing. Um, it doesn't need a Kelsey or a Kittle. Um, it just needs to be above average and uh, whichever direction it goes, it, it's going to remain above average just due to three solid players in it. 
Absolutely. Uh, as always, guys, go check out the article and all the work that Jack has done so far on this offseason roster deep dive over at thedogland.com. Jack, go ahead and plug your Twitter and we'll get on out of here. Yeah, so it's at Jack Duffin, D-U-F-F-I-N. As always, cap questions, DMs are open, tweet at me. I'm happy to answer them as soon as I see them. I'll uh, send you a response. But uh, no, any questions that come up, there to answer but no thank you very much for listening thanks for having me on the pod um it it's fun um it's a really really good debate and uh no it's it's exciting um off season i love it and uh who knows not long left and we've got free agency and then a month later we've got the draft yes uh, yeah this is definitely killing time because you know we do have the senior bowl but it's not a big deal this year. Uh, the combine's going to be different. So this is definitely filling the time that we usually do talk draft, which we're going to start talking draft. I think next week uh, we might have some draft content uh, along with the offseason deep dive stuff. But uh, as always, check out the pod. Um, we thank you for listening, obviously. Follow me on Twitter at JackMcCurry08. Follow the Dogland at the Dogland, both on Facebook and Twitter. And until next time, which will be Wednesday when we break down the offensive tackle position, uh, go Browns. Go Browns. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.